Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show, and you are more than welcome to call in and be a part of it if you want. Happy to talk to you. The phone number is 877-973-7425. At the bottom of this hour, I am, that would be 235-ish if you're listening live. Um, I am going to talk to Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is a pollster, a very good pollster, who has been doing polling around the country, including where I am in Georgia about Herschel Walker and the Republicans, but also nationally. Uh, checking with him on Virginia, where the polling trends there are are pretty terrible for the Democrats now uh, in the run-up to the election. And i got to tell you again, as I start this hour, it's it's important, I think, to reiterate this. The reason there is so much Democratic rage right now is because they have for so long tried to convince everyone that the Republicans were an existential threat to democracy, and yet the voters are about to put the GOP back in charge. Uh, The Democrats are very, very, very upset about that. And you need to understand it from that perspective. But things aren't going well for the Democrats in large part because Joe Biden is being led around by a bunch of uh, hyper-progressives within his administration. And it's starting to have deleterious effects on our national security and that of our allies. I would remind you the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll shows that uh, more Americans believe the Republicans would be better able to handle national security than the Democrats. They've got something like an 18 to 20 point lead on the issue of national security. And now there's this. This is from Dmitry Sevastopolo from the Financial Times. U.S. allies are lobbying Joe Biden not to change American policy on the use of nuclear weapons amid concern the president is considering a no-first-use declaration that could undermine long-established deterrent strategies aimed at Russia and China. The lobbying by treaty allies, including Britain, France, and Germany in Europe, and Japan and Australia in the Indo-Pacific, comes as the Biden administration is in the middle of a nuclear posture review, a regular interagency process that sets U.S. policy on nuclear weapons. Although some allies believe Biden will refrain from setting a no-first-use policy in the review, most remain concerned he's considering a policy known as sole purpose, which would make clear the U.S. would use nuclear weapons only in a narrowly prescribed set of circumstances, such as to deter a direct attack on the U.S. or to retaliate after a strike. That would be a huge gift to China and Russia, one European official said. American policy towards the use of nuclear weapons has, since the Cold War, remained intentionally vague, suggesting the U.S. could use them preemptively and allowing allies in both Europe and Asia a clear sense of protection under the American nuclear umbrella. Now, I want you to know that the uh, the administration and a lot of Democrats are pushing back on this news story. This news story has captured headlines globally from the Financial Times. I have talked to the reporter who wrote the story, and he tells me that uh, European and Asian allies of the United States are very, very, very worried about this. And they're worried about it in large part because some of the people around Joe Biden helping him prepare the regular review. And again, it is a regular review to see if they need to update anything. But the people who are involved are people who in the past have pushed the idea that the U.S., should come out and say, we will never use our nuclear weapons unless we're attacked first. 
you may very well not then be able to use your nuclear weapons if they take you out first and you can't launch them. I'm frankly worried about China, Russia, Iran, North Korea hacking us in such a way that we can't launch our nuclear weapons. And now we've got China using hypersonic launchers for nuclear weapons, which is bad. And all of this comes now as the Biden administration goes to Glasgow, Scotland, and tries to make a greener future. I want to play for you this audio from Jennifer Granholm. She's the Secretary of Energy. The president is really focused on making sure that people are not hurt at the pump, which is why the American Rescue Plan, for example, had a significant increase in low-income uh, heating and, mm-hmm. and protections for home, etc. The gas prices, of course, are based upon a global oil market. That oil market is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is OPEC. OPEC controls more than 50% of the petroleum supply and more than 90% of the petroleum reserves. The United States of America was a net exporter of energy. It's really important everyone understands this. The United States was was a net exporter of energy. We were producing enough domestic oil that it was causing fits for OPEC. We were doing all of these things. Remember last year as well during the uh, lockdowns where they were actually paying people to take the oil? That oil was negatively valued? What changed? Joe Biden. He came in and undid a lot of policies Donald Trump had put in place through executive order to make it easier to extract oil and to engage in fracking. He started to up regulations. The Democrats started to make it more difficult as well from Congress. And gas prices have gone up and oil prices have gone up. They continue to skyrocket. Philip was telling me that there is a phrase people are now using, a word people are now using, greenflation. It's a brilliant, I don't know who came up with it. But whoever did, tip of the hat to you. Greenflation. The drive to get us to less efficient energy production that is supposedly earth-friendly is greenflation. Windmills and solar panels are not efficient. They're certainly not as efficient as burning some coal or natural gas. You may think they're more efficient. They're actually not. And we are moving to inefficient energy that they think is green and renewable and yet can't handle baseload power. Baseload power is the power you need to be able to flip all the switches at one time and have the power there to meet it. Baseload power is the power you need in a crisis. And Joe Biden is in Glasgow, Scotland, pledging that we are going to be even greener and we're going to switch more people to green energy. And that is going to drive up costs. And it's going to drive up prices. It's going to negatively impact the economy. Greenflation. It's not just inflation. It's greenflation. And the most alarming, frustrating, aggravating, infuriating part of it all is that they don't care. They do not care. 
They don't care that your costs are going up. They don't care that the poor can afford it. They, they, they do not care. They do not care because they think they know what's better for you than you do. And that's part of the uh, infuriating part of it is they think they know better for you and your family than you know. And they think getting you out of your fossil fuel burning car, it's good for you. You may not like it, but it's good for you. And they're going to force you to do it. And they're going to drive up your costs. And in driving up your costs, they're going to tell you, you got to take one for the team. But they're not taking anything for the team because they have the money. They lament income inequality in the country, and yet these greenflation problems and, and, and solutions that they come up with are going to further divide people and further increase income inequality. They're going to increase the income inequality because you, the poor and middle-class person, are not going to be able to afford what the rich person can do. The rich person can afford the windmill in the back of their house or the solar panel. You can't. And they are so convinced of these things. They are so convinced that we're all going to die if we don't do what they say. They don't care that they haven't convinced you. They don't care that the progressions, the, the projections have changed. And they don't care that the data doesn't match up. They don't care what you think. Here's Joe Biden in Glasgow. If you're to recognize that a better, more hopeful future of every nation has to do its part, with ambitious targets to keep 1.5 degrees in reach and specific plans of how to get there, especially the major economies. It's imperative that we support developing nations so they can be our partners in this effort. Right now, we're still falling short. There's no more time to hang back or sit in the fence or argue amongst ourselves. This is the challenge of our collective lifetimes. The existential threat threat to human existence as we know it. And every day we delay, the cost of inaction increases. It's an existential threat. That's what he wants you to believe. We can't adapt. We can't overcome. It's an existential threat. So your costs have to go up. The burden on your family will go up. We're standing at an inflection point in world history, Joe Biden said in Glasgow, as he flew on a 747, with a, a bunch of ancillary planes and a motorcade, and all the, the rich people were able to fly their private jets that they're not going to give up, and I don't blame them. I want one too. But you have to sacrifice. You know, in Australia, the Labor Party in Australia was set for victory a few years ago, and the people rejected them for conservatives instead. Do you know why? Because of the climate change policies the taxes that would come along with it, the penalties to their lifestyles. People don't like this. And the Democrats think for your own good, they're going to force you to do these things. They don't care that it's going to hurt you. They don't care that it's going to drive up income inequality. They don't care that it's going to drive up your costs. They don't care that poor people are going to be even poorer. They think they can just print money and give you a subsidy, and they can't. They won't. But they're going to try. There's going to be a backlash. And you know what? 
when there's that backlash, you got the you got the New Yorker out there. The New Yorker. Remember, the New Yorker is the magazine that ran a fawning profile of an author who wants environmentalists to become terrorists. He wants them to learn to build pipe bombs so they can blow up pipelines. And they ran a fawning profile of this guy that, you know, if people don't start doing this stuff, we're going to have to have a bunch of terrorists out there doing it for them. Eco-terrorists, eco-warriors. These are the same people who got upset about Let's Go Brandon. What environmentalists start blowing up pipelines for your own good? They do not realize the backlash they are provoking by this. They do not live in real America. They live in their coastal progressive enclaves. They they do not relate to you. They do not understand the costs. Most of them don't have a car anyway. They take public transportation. They, they don't relate to people who live in, on farmland. They don't relate to people who live in rural areas or even suburban or exurban areas who commute to work, who don't have the public say, the public transit network, who don't want the public transit network. They want you to have what they have because they don't realize you don't already have it. They think you have a massive subway system. They think that you can just be packed into a city. Cities where they didn't want us to live because of COVID, now they want you back in the the disease-ridden cities. And it's amazing to me that it always comes back to one thing. The United States has to give up. The United States has done better than most countries cutting their emissions already. And yet they keep demanding that we do. And Democratic politicians like Joe Biden keep agreeing to do it. It's almost like they don't like the United States being the leader of the free world, even if you do. Y'all, from the moment I sat in my X chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs and then I got my X chair and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my X chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic lumbar DVL, they call it, dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X-Chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X-Chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X, chair, E-R-I-C-K.com, or call 844-4-X-Chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, E-R-I-C-K.com. It is worth it. Well, if you heard that kaboom out there, that was Joe Manchin speaking. This just happened uh, while we were in commercial break. He's at risk hurting American families suffering from historic inflation. Simply put, I will not support a bill that is this consequential without thoroughly understanding the impact that it'll have on our national debt, our economy, and most importantly, all of our American people. Every elected representative needs to know what they are voting for and the impact it has, not only on their constituents, but the entire country. Well, pretty much killing reconciliation at this moment. One of the downsides of the American media being so invested in the R versus D dynamic that exists in the landscape is they miss 
a lot of the important nuance that happens behind the scenes. They, they just they, they can't cover it because they can't grasp it. If you've been in politics long enough, though, you, you know it's real. You need to understand that Joe Manchin is not just speaking for Joe Manchin. As much as so many people say he is, he's not. Joe Manchin is speaking for a number of other Democratic senators who are up for re-election this year, but they can't come out and say what he's saying, even though they believe it, because they don't want to get primaried at the beginning of 2022. They, they want to keep their jobs. So they're allowing Manchin and Kristen Cinema to take all the bullets for him, to take the, the arrows, to take, take the, the cuts, the slashes, the barbs, the attacks, the insults. Kristen Cinema was at a wedding over the weekend, and a group of progressive protesters showed up and disrupted the wedding of her friend's daughter uh, because Kristen Cinema was there. And uh, the bride's mother pleaded for them to go away, and they refused because Kristen Cinema was there. This should have killed the bill then and there. It, it does not surprise me to see Manchin come out forcefully today after stuff like that happened. He is willing to take this on himself. They're not going to bully him. And that's such a frustration in the conversation out there. Well, it's not even a conversation because it's not part of the conversation because it's not part of the coverage. And because it's not part of the coverage, people don't realize it. Maggie Hassan is the Democratic senator from New Hampshire. She is behind, uh, what is it, Greg Sununu, or Sununu, uh, Governor Sununu. She's behind Governor Sununu in the polling, and Sununu is not even a candidate for the United States Senate. She is one of those senators who does not want the reconciliation bill as it's being designed, but she can't come out forcefully and say it. So she has to rely on Manchin and rely on cinema to get it done. Uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona is another one. He's got to rely on the others to get this done because he doesn't want to get blown up by the progressives in a primary. He doesn't want, he doesn't want that to happen. So he has to rely on them as well. Here's a little more mansion in this press conference. Text. For the sake of our country, I again, and I am urging all of my colleagues in the House to vote and pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's bipartisan, 69 votes. We worked on that for many, many months. And as I've said before, holding that bill hostage is not going to work to get my support of what you want. It's what we should all agree on and work through the process. I'm open to supporting a final bill that helps move our country forward, but I'm equally open to voting against a bill that hurts our country. And I've been very clear about that also. And most importantly, hurts every American. Let's work together, and I mean that. Let's all work together on getting a sensible reconciliation package, a package that really strengthens our nation and makes us better and leads the world. Thank you all. Let me say one thing. I'm not going to negotiate in public on this because I've been dealing in good faith and I will continue to deal in good faith with all of my colleagues on both sides. It's time to pass the bill and quit playing games. Notice that he's willing to take questions when Joe Biden is not. Uh, that, that's that's uh, something in and of itself. So that that there you have it. Uh, he and Christensen were both saying pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill, negotiate on this one. The progressives are saying it's all or nothing. So it looks like nothing is going to be the answer and man, the furious backlash when Terry McAuliffe loses tomorrow is going to be fascinating to watch.
The media, though, can't understand that they're speaking, Manchin and Cinnamon are, for so many people behind the scenes who can't speak up right now. When we come back, I'm going to talk to a pollster, Wes Anderson, about all of this and what's going on in Georgia, Virginia, and so many more places around the country. Oof, the ABC News Washington Post poll, 44% of dim-leaning voters want someone else on the ballot in 2024 other than Joe Biden, only 36% want Biden to run there. There's so much polling out there. And, you know, I used to be the big defender of polls and now I can't, I'm skeptical. Uh, but yet I do continue to think the trend lines can show you stuff. You've got a bunch of different polling. The bottom line number may be wrong, but you can see if the trends are all headed in a direction, I think that tells you something. Well, someone who would know what we can and cannot believe about these things is an actual pollster, Wes Anderson, one of the partners at On Message. He is joining me by phone. Wes, thank you for joining me. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Eric, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let me start with just before we get into the details of, of some of the polling you've seen out there, just on polls, so many people are skeptical of them these yeah. days. What what can you make of polls and when you see one out there? What How do you interpret them and take, take things away from them? Well, a couple things. You said something that I think is uh, uh, very helpful, for, especially from the layman's perspective, is to look at trend lines um, and uh, over time. Um, that's the best shorthand. Uh, the industry is actually getting more chaotic, not less, um, for a lot of reasons. Number one, um, the way that we uh, are being, are, are the, the evolution of how we collect data uh, continues to uh, both improve but also cause some chaos in the industry. So there's a lot of bad polling out there. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, and getting it right is uh, certainly very doable, but it's a little more expensive and it's a little more difficult. And honestly, most of the universities that do polling and most of the news outlets that do polling uh, refuse to uh, make the investment necessary to uh, to do it accurately. Well, okay, so I'm glad you said that because I, I know uh, you guys are on message, do a lot of polling, and last year there was a phenomenon where a lot of Democratic campaigns were sharing their internal polls with certain political pundits who were building the case of the big blue wave. And friends of mine who were Republicans were saying that your polling and others were, was not showing what the Democratic polling was showing, but the Republicans weren't leaking their internals to these same pundits, so they defied the narrative. And it does appear that there were a number of Republicans who had internal polling that showed them what actually was shaping up in 2020. Well, it, now, Eric, you've you've touched a, a sore spot, but I think it's actually an important one. Um it, 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 I've been doing this for almost 30 years, and uh, years ago, uh, more like uh, 10, 12 years ago, the Democrats kind of decided to weaponize polling. Uh, before that, uh, campaigns just didn't release much in the way of uh, their polling. Number one, most uh, media outlets wouldn't use it because it was you know, a partisan campaign poll, and so there was that question about whether or not uh, it was fair to use it. But uh, secondly, you know, polling's expensive, especially when it's done right, and so uh, if you learn something, if you get some strategic insight, hold it to yourself and and, uh, let the other side pay for their own. That was sort of the way that the industry operated, Um, and I would argue that in some ways that was better, but but the Democrats decided to kind of weaponize polling and use polling to help drive the bigger narrative. and so they started, you know, it, it, we've gotten into this place now where uh, everybody's trying to, there's sort of two streams of polling. There's what you're actually looking at internally to try to uh, build your own winning coalition. 
uh, and navigate a given race. And then there's everything that everyone's releasing to try to uh, skew the uh, color, the, uh, the, the, uh, the coverage. And that works so well with the media that that is so obsessed with these numbers. Now, last question about just general polling before we get into the numbers here is when I was involved in campaigns back in the day, I know it took a lot of work to get a really good poll. They were very expensive uh, and they were different from so many of the polls that we see that like the, the ABC News, Washington Post poll or the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Uh, the level of information that you get and what you're looking for just tends to not be the same sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the easy, you could, you can reduce a master's class um, in, uh, in polling down to this. Um, If you could tell me exactly who's going to vote in any given race uh, next year, if you knew down to the last person in uh, say the Georgia Senate, senatorial race, who's going to vote, then I can uh, construct a representative sample every time I want a poll that looks that mirrors that exactly. Now, of course, the trick part, the tricky part of that is you can't tell me exactly down to the person who's going to vote. But we do have a number of ways to 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 help uh, determine that to to uh, make sure that we are within the stream of of where the voters are in terms of turnout. Um, and intensity, and if you do that, you can get accurate polling. Um, but it's not easy, and it's expensive. And you know, I I, I get it. Uh, newspapers and TV stations uh, want to use polling to, to help uh, fill copy and 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 drive stories, and so they're not really interested in spending. Uh, you know, the money necessary to right. get a good survey. So they, they do a lot. Of, there's a lot of shortcuts that uh, in the industry, no question. So now let's talk about the Georgia race because I've noted on my radio show that I have not seen any deep polling in the Georgia Senate race at all. Uh, yeah. And I would be very curious in particular where Warnock is in, in polling right now because the fact that no one wants to cover it, even, even the Georgia news outlet suggests to me actually it probably isn't good for him. But also – We've got the Republican primary, Herschel Walker, now a candidate, and the consensus is that he's just going to blow everyone out of the water on name ID, and I suspect that's probably right. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in to for in uh, full disclosure, I'm I'm polling for uh, uh, a super PAC uh, thirty four in two four uh, two 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 number thirty four in in two thousand twenty two. The obviously a pro uh, Herschel Walker super PAC. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, he saw fully putting that on the table right up front, and disclosing that. You know, we uh, we said, well, we'd be crazy. We'd be it'd, it'd be malpractice if we don't if we don't first take a look at the primary to make sure we're not just whistling past the graveyard. Um, and uh, and we did. And and the you know the 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 most accurate, honest way I can describe it is to say, uh, I I'm a pollster. I I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a I'm not a, a fortune teller. So in politics, you know, anything could happen. That's true. But the evidence is pretty strong right now that uh, the likelihood of um, Herschel Walker being the nominee is exceedingly high. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, uh, there's, the, there's the question of, uh, of name ID. It's not just that, though. I mean, we, we, we asked a, a standard uh, name ID a me- a image a question, do you have a favorable, unfavorable opinion of Herschel Walker? And among Republican primary voters, um, that was seventy-four favorable, sixty or six. I'm sorry, seventy-four favorable, six unfavorable. And that's wow. only half of it because we push in and in on intensity. If you said favorable or unfavorable, we say, "Was well, that very favorable or just somewhat?" And 
You have 53%, over half of the primary voters saying that they're very favorable towards Herschel Walker. And we didn't see any, there was no demographic breaks that made any, that, that mattered. Uh, and in a Republican primary, uh, what matters most uh, is how you're doing among those who self-describe as very conservative, which in the state of Georgia makes up between 53 and 57 percent, given on, you know, which yeah, uh, wow. race to race. But uh, uh, and we our numbers were even higher there. So that was that was good. And that's why when we did the ballot test, it shouldn't be of any it come as no surprise that we had uh, Walker at 74 on the ballot and Black at six. Mm-hmm. Um, so do I think that, that uh, there is a reasonable pathway for this uh, primary to become competitive? No. Um, but again, I'm, I, I've been in politics for too long to you know, simply make a declarative <laughs> statement. Absolutely not. But it, the likelihood is very, very, um, you know, very slim right. that this is a competitive primary. I think um, I would say that uh, Georgia primary voters are already looking – uh, at the general, and quite frankly, even before Herschel Walker jumped in, they were looking at the general. Right. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and that's the interesting one here. And I, I know you've been looking at the primary, but I just my suspicion is that Warnock, being a a Democrat in Georgia, uh, which is now a swing state, cannot defy the odds that every other Democrat nationally seems to be suffering. I, he just, he can't be an anomaly there when even Terry McAuliffe in Virginia is struggling a, a much bluer state than Georgia, uh, that, that there's gotta be a path for Republican victory in Georgia against someone like Warnock. Yeah. And, and, uh, to that point, Eric, we, um, uh, on message has done, uh, over the course of the, this year has done uh, a number of, uh, statewide surveys, uh, in the state, e- even before Herschel Walker entered the race. And what has been very, very consistent is that Warnock's, uh, no matter who you're testing, uh, somebody who's got no name ID or somebody with a lot of name ID, uh, Warnock's ballot, um, Senator Warnock's ballot uh, 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 position is pretty consistently at 46-47. Um, um, consistently three, four points below 50 uh, which uh, you you know, I mean, that's just never a good spot for anybody who's an incumbent ever. Um, it also shows uh, that um, uh, you know he he has not solidified uh, majority support since the runoff uh, for sure. On top of that, you know, we've been asking a lot of questions as everybody has about. Um, of, uh, specifically of swing voters, you know, how do you how do you now see uh, your vote uh, for Biden if they in fact voted for Biden? Tell us they voted for Biden, and and um, among swing voters in Georgia, there's there's a growing uh, it, it's 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 now about thirty percent of the swing voters say you know I regret uh, voting for Biden. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily yet ready to, you know, uh, vote for Republicans at the top of the ticket, but it certainly means that they are headed that direction. Um, and you see it on, you see it in other measures. You see it on the generic ballot, which favors us now in Georgia by, by two or three points, depending on the, on the survey. Um, and you see it in the fact that, uh, President uh, Biden's job approval and his image rate uh, test have gone, as we would say, underwater, meaning that they're more negative than than positive. Um, so these shifts are, you know, are really significant. This is he he was inaugurated earlier this year. I mean, this isn't you know this didn't happen over uh, that that long a period of time, um, but it it is the national environment. Um, 
being really tricky, being very negative, turning very negative for Democrats is is without question going to make it even uh, harder for Warnock to get reelected. I think this remains uh, one of the Republicans' best opportunities for a pickup in the Senate. I sure hope so. Now, regarding the the lay of the land here, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, a pollster, uh, to comment on Virginia. I don't know whether you've done any polling up there or not, but just when you're looking at everything pouring in up there, uh, to talk about trend lines, uh, the the trend lines, even the Fox News poll, which I think has tended to be a little more towards the Democrats than most polls out there, has shifted towards Yunkin up there. Well, I'm gonna. I, I'll get. I'm sure I'll get a uh, some producer at Fox give me a hard time about this, but um, Fox's polling is is all over the place. It's it really it's, is. I, I, the joke is is that CNN's polling is very consistent. It's always you can, you can take two or three out of the Democrat, uh, on, and you'll you'll be close to what reality is. Fox, you never know. It's all over the place. But I will say this. Uh, yeah, we've done a fair amount of polling. We uh, up there. We 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 poll for the uh, Republican Governors Association. Um, it's, it is razor tight. Uh, I love the trend lines, so I feel fairly, I, I feel pretty good about it, especially last, the last week. Um, I'm not ready to declare victory by any means, but I, I love, um, not just what any individual survey is, is doing, but I love where the trend is going. It's, I think there's a great, uh, there's gonna, if, if in fact, um, Youngkin pulls it off, and I think that the odds are that he will, although it's going to be tight. It's going to be really close. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a great story to tell. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting race. Um, McAuliffe, uh, uh, who you know was governor before, has run um, the same race he's always run, which uh, in, in, a very, in, a, in a much different environment and can't quite figure out what happened. Um, and he initially decided he was just going to run almost, you know, completely against Trump. And and it turns out that when you when uh, when the Democrats hold the White House, that matters a little bit more, especially for swing voters. And and then I have to give Youngkin credit; um, he has run very well in that. Uh, he has been a uh, conservative who is. Um, uh, very appealing uh, to swing voters, uh, and his appeal to swing voters is less about ideology than it is just um, uh, than it than it is his um, uh, his his overall demeanor and uh, and personality. He's he's just just an absolutely approachable person for sure, and and a genuine person. So, um, but you know, yeah, the 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 question is if Youngkin wins tomorrow. Well, is that because of uh, of Biden's fall, or is it because Youngkin ran a better campaign and Honestly, it's a little bit of both, for sure, uh, but you can't discount the Biden part at all. Uh, lots of uh, buyer remorse um, uh, from the top of the ticket down, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the, 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 the Biden pulling up there is, my goodness. Well, look, I, I am, I, I'm out of time. I probably ran too long and, and took up too much of your time, but Wes, I really appreciate you stopping by. It's really, really helpful to talk to someone who knows what they're doing. Well, Eric, I very much appreciate it, and uh, and call me anytime. Thank you very much, Wes Anderson with with On Message. Uh, gr- great to have that uh, polling conversation with him. Now, I got to tell you guys about Patriot Mobile, and they are doing a phenomenal job out there helping the conservative movement. As the tide just seems to be shifting right now, they donate a portion of their profits to the conservative movement, to the pro life cause, to the Second Amendment cause. That they, they do, and it's, it's fantastic. And I, I just, I can't thank them enough for what they do. And you can be a customer of theirs and you don't have to worry about your coverage. Go to their, go to their website, patriotmobile.com. 
they've got their coverage map. You can look and see where you are. I, I've, I've said a couple of times I was in rural southwest Georgia a couple of weeks ago, and I had coverage from Patriot Mobile down there. It was, it was great coverage. I had data. I had cell service. You can go across the country, check their maps, and you get free activation with my name by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can call them 972-PATRIOT. Uh, you've you got 100% U.S.-based customer service. If you want to talk to someone on the phone, 972-PATRIOT, tell them Eric sent you, or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Uh, get your cell phone service rolled over to them. They can port your number over. You can get a new number. You can bring an unlocked phone or get a new phone from them. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. Okay. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta spend a little more time on, on some issues that we just, I hadn't been able to get out get to. Uh, one of the biggest issues out there right now is what is happening on Capitol Hill. Joe Manchin is sending the place into meltdown right now. He, he's held this press conference and the Democrats and members of the media, you, you should know, remember that they're, they're no longer objective. I mean, they, they never have been, but they've pretended to be. They are coming out and excoriating Manchin at the very moment. They're excoriating him for essentially killing reconciliation. Uh, and while all of that is going on, I guess we're going to have to spend a lot of time on this tomorrow, is is Joe Biden is out there apologizing for the United States. And I, I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I do apologize for the fact the United States, uh, the last administration, pulled out of the Paris Accords. I apologize for the fact the United States, the last administration, pulled out of the Paris Accord. We should have pulled out of the, the Paris Accord. It was a, a terrible, terrible plan um i y'all i'm i'm just i'm flabbergasted by seeing the democrats how how bad are they at this how, i realize the environment favors the party out of the white house i do but i actually am looking at the democrats right now i'm thinking have you guys forgotten how to play politics i really do think that they so hate donald trump they just assumed everyone else would hate him as badly as they do. And and people don't. People don't hate Donald Trump the way the Democrats hate Donald Trump. But the Democrats only know Democrats. And all the Democrats hate him, so they just prove we, we don't have to prove anything anymore. We can just we can just govern, except they're not governing well. And they got problems on their own side, like, like Manchin and Cinema. And again, this is part of what you you got to understand this as I pound my fist on the desk. Manchin and Cinema are not lone wolves. They're acting on behalf of other Democratic senators who cannot, on their own, speak up because of the political environment. And so Manchin and Cinema have to speak up on their behalf. You think it's only two Democrats standing in the way. It's more than that. And many of them are breathing a sigh of relief that reconciliation appears to be dead, even as Joe Biden doesn't realize it. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. 
They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 